Welcome to episode 100 of Rowdy Southern Saturday. Thank you so much for supporting the show over the past three years. We've appreciated everyone who's listened to us and followed us through this whole journey. If you're listening to this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook. Shoot us some feedback, tell us what you like, what you don't like, or just talk some football with us. We're always down for that. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get rowdy. Did anyone else watch the Falcons-Jaguars Toy Story broadcast on Sunday? You could tell it was very much garnered to, like, kids because there was one play that was like, all right, kids, well, if you don't know what a down is, it's whenever a team has the ball and you get four downs and you have 10 yards to get a first down within those four plays, and if you don't, the other team gets the ball. Granted, Matt, that's how Booger McFarland calls games anyway. Like, he does that during a normal football game. <laughs> right, right, right. But it wasn't Booger that was saying that. It was Drew Carter or whatever his name was. He would be like, now, Booger, can you explain what a fumble is? And and maybe ESPN was doing that as like a, hey, this is funny because Booger would do this. They honestly, they honestly might have been. They tried to do like some small stuff like that. Just like like adhere to the trends of social media. So I wouldn't surprise you see, at all. Fumble is is when you have the ball and somebody punches out and you don't have the ball anymore and it's on the ground and everybody scrambles to get it. That's a fumble. Oh my gosh. I remember we used to call Monday Night Football. It used to be like, so Parker, what do you think they need to do on this play? Well, I'd say if they get 10 yards on this play, they'll have a first down. <laughs> <laughs> when they had uh, the booger in the boom lift and oh they God. would roll. Oh, I do remember. He, like, he was on that platform. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Oh my gosh. And they would roll him up and down the sidelines and he was like above. So he's like, what I'm seeing from up here is the same thing that y'all are seeing, but different because I'm up here and y'all are in the booth. <laughs> Who's playing in the Monday game tonight? Oh, it's awful. It's Seahawks Giants. Why would? <sighs> There's nothing sexy why? about that matchup. I know Taylor Swift isn't going to be at that game. Yeah, that's oh, wild. It, well, it, it's wild. Like I watched a video today, and you know what's his name? Isaiah Pacheco scores a touchdown for the Chiefs, and he starts to do his end zone dance. <laughs> and while he's doing the dance, they they pan up to Taylor Swift. And somebody quoted, he was like, all oh, these games are dirty business. <laughs> like, I, I know why they're doing it, because you're going to get people to watch the NFL football game. Dude, that's the only reason that Chiefs were on Sunday Night Football last night. I saw that I same, doubt that. that I'm pretty sure they moved into Sunday Night Football after, mm, after the Taylor Swift. I, I don't know. They're, they're, no, no. they're the reigning NFL champions. That. So, you know. It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's what the... Uh, uh, yeah. was, and and they just didn't like... Don't give Taylor Swift that much credit. I'm going to say, so it just worked out that Taylor Swift was in New York for the game? That's where the well, spin sh- zone comes in. The spin zone comes in that this is all for – it may not be for her publicity. The NFL is using her publicity to move Dude, the needle on did them. Did you see the Taylor Swift intro they did? Oh, yes. It was bad. That's oh, crazy Lord. to me. Ironically enough, we, we uh, parked next to these dudes at the race yesterday, and you know my dad's a Chiefs fan, so he's talking Chiefs. And this guy goes, you know – Taylor Swift is going to have the biggest album of her life when when they break up uh, her and Travis Kelsey. It's going to be massive. Make lots of money. All these all these fifteen year olds are going to going to really love Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, they did like a whole intro, and they, it was like a welcome Swifties to the NFL. Oh no, intro. Jesus. You know, so you know, she that. has more followers on Instagram than uh, the NFL does. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, by like tenfold. By by like a lot. Yeah. I don't know if this is like a real report or anything, but she I did hear that she was offered the Super Bowl halftime show and she declined it because it would literally destroy the game. Nobody would be there for the game. I mean, yeah, I, let's be honest. Heard, After seeing this, for sure. People who, who go to NFL, like the, the, the Super Bowl, it's too, first of all, the tickets are too expensive for regular fans like like ourselves. So yeah. like people who go to those games, they're on business trips. They're but trying so were the Taylor Swift tickets. It's like a cult now. So the, Speaking of cult, though, yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, I thought Auburn was going to get them. Dude, I really did, man. Dude, that. Now, I, I did not, though. I feel like deep down I knew the whole game, like Georgia was going to win. I was surprised that it stayed as close as it did for as long as it did. Wit. Yeah, I had, to, I had to mute Matt because it, it, every time the group message popped up, it was Matt going, well, who cares? Georgia's going to win anyway. And I'm like, dude, quit saying that. Like, like somehow we're going to end up losing this game. And honestly, when, we, when Georgia went down 10-0 to and things just weren't going Georgia's way, I was like, here comes Auburn Black Magic. I even posted a TikTok saying, will Black Magic prevail this weekend? Almost. And I was like, I just went and screwed Georgia doing that. But no, Georgia, Georgia not winning the game. I think second half, Carson Beck played a lot better. Brock Bowers, I think we should all be in agreement, probably the best player in the entire country, or at least yeah. top five. Two one yes, he's, he's the best team he, in the entire I'm, country. Yeah, Brock I'm, Bowers is the best team in the entire country. I've been saying this for two years now. Like last year, I was like, I feel like all the love Stetson Bennett's getting is disrespect for Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock, uh, he definitely should be getting more Heisman praise. I don't, don't think he's getting a lot right now anyway. Well, it's kind of hard. Uh, when, he's a tight end. When you know Caleb Williams throws for yes. like a, a, a thousand yards but, in a Caleb game. Caleb Williams is probably going to win another Heisman. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's going to win it again. Yeah, because he's so good. And his, his the receivers are phenomenal. And the defense can never stay on the field because they're terrible. So, so. so question, does, does Georgia deserve to be number one? In my opinion, y'all are going to disagree with me. I think Georgia should be number one until they get beat solely because That's BS. you lose one game in two uh, years yeah. and you're back-to-back national champions. That's such, who, who, cared, who cares about what you did last year? Who cares I totally about what get you, it. What you I did totally get it. But at, the end of, but at the end of the day, you have to trust them until they what give does you it, What does the team look like as of how many games are we in? Four games? Four or five games? I uh, mean, if you ask me right now uh, if I think Georgia's the best team in the country, I would say no. But no. I, I think they deserve I, to be ranked number one until they get. I don't. Because Alabama used to be like that too. Deserves and and what should be should be two different things. But go ahead. Yeah, Chad. I I understand what Lando's saying completely. But at the same time, like I actually don't disagree with you. With like I fully, I fully agree. You are the defending back to back national championships. You have not lost since the SEC championship game to Alabama two years ago, and you know it's a respect thing until you are dethroned in the regular season. And that kind of goes back to what we always talk about. Like the regular season is so important in the sport. Like it's so important in the sport. It means, it literally means everything leading up to the playoff. So, you know, until Georgia is dethroned, they're number one. Now, granted, do I think, like Whit just said, do I think Georgia is the best team in the country? No. I'm the most thoroughly impressed right now by Texas. I was, I was going to say, but, that, uh, my, my argument to that is who is then? And because you could make an argument that Georgia still is, because even though they struggled with Auburn, they won the game on the road. You could say the same thing about but Michigan. Is Michigan but, in a conversation? Who has Michigan played? Like it does. Every team that you argue is the best team in the country, you can argue why they're not. So well, then, why would Georgia drop out a number one spot? Like, who is number one then? Because Georgia hasn't played anybody, and they've struggled pretty much every single game. Well, and I'll say this: I think when the college football playoff rankings come around, like if if 
the college football committee or the playoff committee was deciding the rankings right now, I don't think Georgia would be number one. I think it'd be Florida no. State or Texas. Probably Florida State. Texas. Texas. It's Texas. 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 Got to be Texas. Texas well, Florida, has the best win. Florida State has the best resume right now because they beat it's Clemson no, and LSU. They beat Clemson and LSU. What, who's t- oh, Texas beat Kansas. Okay. So yeah, so maybe wow. maybe and maybe Texas and, and they beat and they beat Alabama obviously, but I'm saying two two good wins opposed to one good win. But I give Kansas Kansas, Kansas is a good team. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas is a good was team. ranked at the time that they played. So in, Kansas, in, in my opinion, that. Kansas is a top 25 football team. I watched that whole game. At what points has has, has Texas had a struggle win? Like they've been slow Wyoming. and then they pull away and they beat everybody by 20. Wyoming minus minus Alabama, obviously it was a 10 point game. But so th- th- does that say that they're really good, or does it say that they've played nobody? I think they're good. I mean, Alabama's shown that the defense is elite. If I was doing my own ranking right now, Texas would be the number one team in the country. It would probably be Texas, Michigan, and then Florida State, and then probably Georgia or Ohio State or Notre Dame, maybe. Not Notre Dame, but well, you know, maybe Penn State. It won't matter after Texas loses this weekend. There we go. Save Texas. that thought. Save that thought. Save, save that. Save, save that, that thought. But I, I, have a, oh, I have a question for you then uh, because you bring up a good point with, with, with Florida State having an LSU win. How good is that LSU win – going to be remembered if LSU winds up losing four games this year because I feel like that now now you're in a point and I was actually talking about this on Saturday with somebody because after Ole Miss beat LSU on Saturday which was an outstanding game start to finish game of the weekend by far what defense uh what 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 defense um everyone says okay Lane Kiffin has his signature win now all right Cool. Well, what happens when LSU loses? If, if, that's not win, but if, if LSU, who still has to play Texas A&M, loses that game, still has to play Alabama, loses that game, and they finish the season eight and four, is that is is that still a good win in, in anyone's eyes? And, and putting that back, like, does anyone look at Florida State beating LSU neutral site and say, oh, wow, that's a phenomenal win resume-wise? I'll say what I always say to answer that question. The value of a win is determined on the day. The value of a win is not devalued later on in the year. That day, they played a highly ranked LSU team, top 10 matchup coming into the season. It was week one. Value of that win is right there. Ole Miss plays LSU, who's still highly ranked. LSU, who did LSU beat last week? I forget. This would be Arkansas. Or Arkansas. Arkansas. LSU comes out of a struggle win against the Arkansas team that's better than their record will probably indicate at the end of the year. But the value of a win is determined that day. See, I hate that. I hate going back in time and being like, oh, well, they ended up going seven and five. Well, that doesn't matter. But it, it, it you have to consider it, though, because otherwise you're saying that Lane Kiffin, who beat Texas A&M, who was ranked number 11 in Oxford two years ago, that should be a signature win because that's a, that was a high, more highly ranked game than this one. It was the only one he had until Saturday, but that was a signature win, no doubt. Lane Kiffin got a signature win. That, I, that I was, agree. That was big for Ole Miss. I mean, if I think Ole Miss didn't respond, then that would have been bad. Then I, there would have been questions. I think at the end of the day, when you watch LSU play, they're a good football team. Am I saying they're a top ten football team? Probably not, just because of the defense. The offense is phenomenal. Secondary has had second, a question all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, it, which is so weird because you think LSU, DB, like all the string of DBs that they've had over the past two decades, and to see where they're at now, I mean, go back to 2011, 
and tell yourself that Ole Miss and LSU are going to get into a 55-49 shootout <laughs> and somebody's going to laugh. They're going to be like, "That's no, that's that's laughable. And here we are. It happened. Good for Lane Kiffin. I, I got to give him a shout-out, give him some praise on that, though, because that was a massive, massive win for that program, especially in a week where people in Oxford were getting a little uneasy with the fact that played all the mind games on Twitter with the Alabama game, and then they scored 10 points, and then he's like, okay, yeah, here's 93 offensive plays and 55 points. Are you happy now? No, 93 offensive happy. plays. 93 offensive plays. That's what USC does in a half. And <laughs> only 55 points. That, that's why I kind of like – it's kind of weird. They ran all those plays and only scored 55 points. It's kind of – Kind of crazy. That's a lot of that's points. A lot of, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I know. I understand that, but still, Jesus, ninety three. Like I said, USC do do doesn't have I mean, how I mean, many. How many points you, is that you, per play? You got. Uh, I'm gonna do the math. He's do the math. It's he's not. He's not two. a teacher anymore, so he doesn't two. know the math. <laughs> Never taught math to begin with. <laughs> but it, anyway, aside from that math, um, guys, we suck. I'm sad. Who's we? I don't want to say. <laughs> He's talking about Florida. Did Florida play ask this weekend? No, we didn't. Florida didn't show up. <laughs> no, we didn't. Wait, hold on. I want to recant. I want you to revisit what you said last week. Who who exactly beat you? Those toothless, dumbass hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> How many times in a row was that for them? Three. Oof. They may never lose again. They, oh. they may never lose to you guys again, I should say. I will you, say you yelled that last week. <laughs> I stand by my prediction that the Falcons take Ray Davis in the top five in the draft this year. God, I hope so, because he sure carried that offense on his back. Yeah, and the Falcons really need a fifth running back. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. When we did our preseason predictions, we thought Vandy was going to be a little bit better than they are. The absence of Ray Davis on that team is showing so much right now. He he would make Vandy watchable. He makes Kentucky very, very good. He makes him a little dangerous. Imagine, and just imagine this. Dude, Devin Leary played terrible. Devin, Le Devin Leary hasn't played good all year. I haven't believed. I'm not a believer in Devin Leary. Yeah, I, I kind of lost belief like that I'm watching him against Florida. I like Devin Leary, but I'm not, I'm not saying Devin Leary is some elite quarterback. I think he's solid. But imagine if Devin Leary does get it going. Just imagine. But he, Kentucky is going to be a very well-rounded team. Their their front seven is really good. I, I would say he probably has to get it going this weekend if they're going to win. Oh yeah, oh, playing on the road, in Athens. Yeah. yeah. To to me, the, this we'll we'll talk about. We're going to talk about that game later. Right. But and and I agree with you. That yes, that's what he, that Devin Leary is going to have to do. That I don't know that Kentucky has the skill skill players on the outside to for him to be that like i just don't i don't see it and i don't think that he has the ability to run the ball enough to add that extra element of threat to that offense that would make them dangerous because you know i i don't know i mean it is it is ironic though georgia's 77th in rushing defense currently in the country which is a stat that you wouldn't typically like think so, back to Florida because we got we got to talk about it, Chad. You went from the highest of high beating Tennessee. Where are you now on the on the pain meter? Like one to ten, death. <laughs> so, so, are you are you pressing He's the fire honest. Napier button? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm not on the fire Napier button. That's so. 
That's so stupid. Look, okay, your next two games are Vanderbilt and South Carolina. Like from what I've seen from both those two teams, regardless of what happened to us in Salt Lake City and Lexington, um, we're a better team than they are. And if we go into the first six, the first what what does that make? I, math. Um, six first six games of the year. Seven. Damn it. Sorry. We we're five and two going into Georgia. Okay, I'm okay with that. Like that's an improvement already from where you were last year. You got Georgia, LSU, and Florida State on the back half of the schedule. I mean, you get Florida State at home. I'm not saying they can win, but I mean, LSU's defense. What's that question? Even though it's in Death Valley, we're not beating Georgia. Missouri's actually pretty good. Well, I mean, so far, uh, I'm trying to talk myself into the fact that we can still win eight games, and if we do, that's improvement. And we still have the number three recruiting class right now. His recruiting class is going to be what saves his job. It's not time to fire him. I've he, been, I've been telling y'all, and I've been telling people this whole time. You got to be patient with him. 2025 on Billy Napier. But if it gets worse, like if, if our if our balloon completely pops and we just fade into obscurity like the rest of the year, then then yeah. But see, I don't think it's going to happen. See, what's scary for Billy Napier is the schedule in 2024, too. Because even whatever he does this year, I mean, even if they end up going 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four this year, which is which I would say is pretty decent for where Florida was coming into the season. It's yeah, it's a huge improvement. Next year's schedule is like, that's a tough, tough schedule. That's a really tough schedule. One thing I will say that to be positive is that there's a lot of young guys getting reps on this team right now. I don't think I don't think many people realize how young this team is. A true freshmen all over the field. Like true freshmen are all over the field, and Graham Mertz can come back. Like, I don't think Graham Mertz's stock is so high that Graham Mertz is like, yeah, I'll even go to the NFL. I don't see it. So you bring Graham Mertz back for a second year of that offense next year, and you get more reps out of these young guys. Etn will be his last year. He'll be a junior, and the way he's played, he's leaving. So. You bring in DJ Lagway, maybe get him some reps with Graham Mertz and see what he can do with his legs. I mean, but that's next year. But uh, overall, like, the only way that I can sum up, like, the way I feel is what I just said, death. <laughs> and um, we just got our ass kicked. There's no other way around it. We got splattered. Like, we looked unprepared, completely unprepared in that game. And Kentucky, like, Kentucky to me, can we, can we trade Kentucky to the Big Ten? Because that's exactly how Kentucky plays football. Kentucky's a Big Ten team. Kentucky is the new Iowa. Kinda. Like the way that they play football, big offensive line, good running game, great defense. So the no SEC of old. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which but is it's which, a shame that the SEC has actually left Kentucky behind while Kentucky has gotten good at what the, they do. The SEC is now the Big Twelve. Yes. There's no defense in the SEC whatsoever, except for Georgia and maybe Kentucky, and even Georgia's defense this year. And Oklahoma next year. Oklahoma next year, but they're not in the SEC yet. So Alabama's defense is good this year. Alabama's defense is good. No. So is Oklahoma's defense. defense. Looks good. A&M's defense is good. Elite. I, I, I'm still, I'm still not giving them the elite, but I'm, <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to call them elite I mean, again. We got to talk about that game too. Arkansas's because, in trouble because, boy, it. it <sighs> I don't, no way, that's also another game I think we can win. I don't even know what to say about Arkansas, though, because I, I watch them and I'm like, they, they, they're such a good team. I don't understand why they're not. I take, I think a and is going to win the West. I said this on Saturday. I think A&M has positioned themselves. They're going to win the West. I don't know if they can do it without Wegman, though. I mean, Max Johnson's looked okay. Johnson looked pretty good, Max, actually, Max Saturday. Johnson came in in that first game when he took over against Auburn. 
and the offense looked better than it had the whole the rest of the before Wegman got hurt. And then they didn't miss a beat last week. Now Arkansas has got some defensive issues for sure, but a And M, in my opinion, is winning the West this year. Giving it's the up, perfect storm. Giving up forty eight points to Miami and losing that game to me makes me say maybe take a pause on that. But so, so does everybody else. But but who on A and schedule are they scared of? Alabama. Get them at home. LSU with a with, with a with a mediocre with a mediocre Alabama offense. Who does A and M get from the East this year? Mizzou, Mizzou, I believe. Maybe is it Mizzou? Elite Missouri, top twenty-five Missouri. No, it's not. Yeah, Missouri. holy, holy. Oh, Tennessee. Wait, they get Tennessee and South Carolina. They get Tennessee. That's it. Yeah. yeah, they always play Carolina. Yeah, they get Tennessee but, and Neyland. Can I say? Can I say this about Arkansas, which I think is my biggest concern, and why I think I'm starting to agree with Matt that Sam Pittman may not make it. Arkansas's offensive line does not protect KJ. It's Jefferson. the tackles, man. The tackles they're, they're are not bad. good. Are like Arkansas is getting shoved around up front, and that's supposed to be Sam Pittman's forte. In, de- in, in defense, though, I think the front four of A and M is very, very, very. Sh- that's their that's their strong point. Is that, well, yeah, that they, defensive line? They recruited nine five star defensive tackles last yeah. year, so. And, and I think that they've they've panned out to be just fine. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> They're good, like their defense. So, their defense is one of the most talented defenses in the country. Do I think they're elite? Do I think they're a top ten defense? Probably not. But they're not as no, good as they sorry. should be. But they're still really good. Yeah, Chad. I mean, we keep coming to you and, on and, that one. And I'll give them. I'll give them this. Like Arkansas kind of got ten points as a benefit. It wasn't like their defense gave up all twenty two. Um, I mean, they technically, I guess they they did, but you know, um. I, what I see in A and M though is everybody sleeping on them. Like every week, I've kind of been like, I'm a little worried about A and M, and it's because I. And this is something that I just noticed this past weekend. Jimbo Fisher looks completely different and is acting completely different than he has the past few years. In the past few years, he's kind of come out in his press conferences and been like snake oil salesman, talking real fast, trying to be like the what. Did you call him a snake oil salesman? You know, the, the, have you ever have you ever purchased snake oil before, Matt? Do you guys not know what that is? I don't know what that is. It's like a obviously knockoff product. That's what it is. Oh, somebody call that you call that a snake oil product. Well, a snake oil salesman. Yeah, he's not crazy. You guys are crazy. Yeah. I would say South Georgia education, but Matt actually had South Georgia education. So, damn right, I did. <laughs> we went to the same high school. So, anyways. He had this like fast talking, smooth talking, like I've got to talk you guys into believing that I'm the guy. He does he's not doing that this year. He looks super relaxed. He seems very, very calm in his press conferences. He talks about the things they do well. It's a it's a different Jimbo Fisher this year. And that worries me for sure. Because I've seen how Alabama's played and it, offensively it's not good. <laughs> so that that all leads me to believe. At very much A and M, to me A and M. I would say if you wanted me to list the top four teams, because realistically there's like four teams left in the West that can win it. Uh, one would be Alabama because they own the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. If they win against A and M this weekend, they're in a good spot. Two would be A and M. Three Ole Miss, four LSU, in that order. Of like who's going to win the West? 
would agree with that. I, I also think I think Ole Miss sure. actually has a really good chance this year. I know they lost the game against Alabama, but I, I think they were in it pretty much the whole game besides fourth quarter. Um, I think watching A&M and Ole Miss this year, I think Ole Miss looks better than A&M. I know they I look better agree. than Arkansas. I would agree with that, but they also have to go to Athens. That so is true. Now you've got two SEC losses, so now not you're not only relying on Alabama to lose twice, you need Alabama to lose three. I mean, the way, the, the way Georgia's played this year, it would not shock me to see Ole Miss knock off Georgia. I don't think Georgia's going to lose at home, though. There's only three teams that I think at this point that potentially could beat Georgia. Well, I guess really two. And it's just because Tennessee and Neyland, I think that they their offense can run the ball effectively like they did against South Carolina, which they still, they're not rolling on all cylinders. Uh and then Ole Miss, the way that they're the, – Ole Miss has the quarterback that it has the ability to run. It puts pressure. You saw cracks in the Georgia defense this past weekend with Peyton Thorne, and Jackson Dart is much more polished. And Ole Miss has better skill players like Quinshawn Judkins, Trey Harris. If they go into that game healthy, I don't think Georgia fans are walking in there chalking it up as a win. I think it, I think they, they, they'll believe that they should win. They have the better team, and they're right. I don't think Ole Miss's defense is going to be able to get enough stops. But no, but that's a that's a story for another time. Yeah, for sure. I, I just we're just going to get through this week. Going, I don't I don't think Kentucky. Well, we can get there. I, I think there's only two teams, two teams that can beat Georgia, Tennessee, Wait, and Ole Miss. Georgia plays Kentucky this weekend. Yes. Oh, oh, that's a loss in Athens. That's a loss for Georgia. Yeah. Okay. We're almost there, Orlando. <laughs> Lando's, Lando's throwing his picks out early. <laughs> I'm, 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 listen, just let you know. Like Lando's energy. You know, Lando, I need, I need you to give us your rundown on what you believe Oklahoma has been this season because I don't feel like anybody in the country is watching Oklahoma. They seem like, like a, a very overlooked, Shh. undefeated team. Shh. Top, <laughs> top three in scoring, top three in defense. That's all I'm going to say. Shh. Just, just keep watching. We look good though. Um, Jeff Levy has his days. Some some days he calls horrible plays. Other days he calls really good plays. You know, just yeah, he has to iron things out. Um, so much. We have we, we finally have depth on the defensive secondary, like in terms of starting and the second guy. If the first guy goes down, the second guy's going to be just as good. Defensive lines bigger. I can tell the team is as a whole is just a lot bigger and faster. Getting ready for the SEC next year. So uh, Brent Venables is doing a good job. Uh, big test this weekend against Texas. Um, going to need to come and play with their hair on fire after what happened last year, which I'm still kind of sore from that 49 to nothing drumming. But listen, last year I'm without gonna, without Dylan Gabriel. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I, you know, last year they didn't have Dylan Gabriel, so. You know, should be a different game this year. Um, I just hope Jeff Levy comes with his A game and calls some good plays because he'll he'll do some stupid stuff where it'll be you know third and five and he'll call a ridiculous trick play and I'm like, dude, you could have just if you're gonna do something like that, you could have just called a run play and and gotten into fourth and short. But you know, you want to run some some trickery and now it's you know fourth and ten, we can't even go for it. So uh, Jeff Levy just needs to get it together. Other than that. I think we look good. Like, like you guys said, very underrated, ranked number 12 right now. Uh, nobody's really paying attention to us, but I kind of like it like that. Uh, there have been years in the past when we've been number one in the country and 
go and get beat by an Iowa State or a who do you play this week? Uh, Cincinnati. We played a couple a couple weeks ago. Uh, so that's that's one thing I'm excited. This team hasn't done this year yet is lose when they shouldn't lose. So doing a good job. Well, I think honestly, it's for Oklahoma, amazing what happens when you bring in a new coach and they don't play down to their opponents. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's still doing, by the way. They bring that that intensity every week, and you know, against Iowa State, they gave up the most points they had they they had all year in the first half, twenty points. Then he went into the halftime locker room, made adjustments, and then goose egged him in the second half, 150 to 20. So it's just good to see a coach that's actually utilizing the talent. And we had, what, a top five recruiting class uh, this past year. So I'm excited for the future, and hopefully we can continue this in the SEC next year. I like it. I like it, because I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not someone who's known a lot about Oklahoma. Like I said, I feel like it's, it's something a little bit of a slept under the radar team this year. Because, I mean, you look at Oklahoma's schedule, and there hasn't been a lot of games that pop. Um, speaking of pop, we're about to pour. Uh, Whit, you want to start it off? Yeah, I'll start us off. Uh, I'm actually going to pour one out for high school football. Went to my first high school football game in, I believe, eight years. I'm pretty sure. I can't think of a time that I've gone. Um, went and sat through Centennial versus Chattahoochee. Uh, I have a friend that coaches at Chattahoochee, and then my buddy Danny's older brother, Scotty, he coaches at... Uh, at Centennial. So. I was wondering what, because you were like going to yeah. a high school game. So, and I was John, like, so John Hurst is my buddy that coaches for Chattahoochee. This is his first year. Oh, he's coaching? Uh, John yeah. Hurst, you'll remember, he was on the yeah. show yeah, yeah, yeah. two he, years yeah, ago. Yeah, he played for the Buccaneers and the Chargers. At, at yeah, the yeah. Battery a couple times. Yeah, we yeah. went to the Braves game with him. Yeah. Yeah, for our kind of, I think it was like opening day, actually. Yeah, well, come, yeah wasn't with, it? With Nathan, when Nathan was trying to sell the magnets. Gotcha, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, so John, John Hurst is there now. He's the receivers coach. And Scotty... Uh, Danny Connors' brother, uh, brother to Joey Connors, who uh, rocked Joe Burrow. Is, should should be uh, yeah, it's credited with should Joe be credited with Joe Burrow, even though Joe Burrow's kind of sucked this year, but he's kind of been hurt as well. So, um, Scotty is the defensive coordinator for Centennial, and it was actually a really good game. Came down to the very end, uh, Chattahoochee had the ball down. I think they were down four with like fifty seconds left, and uh, the defense for. Centennial got a big stop, so it was it was fun being there. We got like coaches seats, which means we were on the field, like in like in like the end zone, and there really weren't oh, seats. Oh, and like a tent or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. we were kind of just hanging out there. But they had this little like kitty area. And there's a bunch of kids playing around, and they had like some footballs and stuff. So we, we had a good time. Scotty has a son who's two, I believe. Nice. So we were hanging out with Teddy. He was cool. He was a cool little dude. So I went to my first high school football game um, a couple weeks ago. Was it, I think it was two Fridays ago. But I worked it, so I didn't really watch it. You <laughs> <laughs> just, just got paid to be there. Yeah, I, just exactly. got, I, I got paid to be there in direct traffic. But nice. You get paid to be there every Friday. Well, this team this team sucked. It was um, White Whitfield Academy in, in, oh, in Smyrna. Yeah. They're like a Christian school. Lord, Lord help them. They, they're, they're really bad. <laughs> 1A private, baby. Let's go. <laughs> was that game in Centennial or, or what? It was at Centennial, yeah. You yeah, it was, get, like, it was like in Roswell. You did, okay, yeah. yeah. You, didn't, you didn't get robbed over there? No, I didn't get robbed. No, <laughs> I, I, I survived the mugging. Um, okay. No, it, thank God, finally. Um, but no, yeah, so I'm going to be cutting off Airbnbs and college towns. Because uh, this weekend... I'm with you, brother. Yeah, we got a crew We got a crew going to Auburn Rodeo to see Zach Bryan. Um for my birthday's on Saturday, so we're going for my birthday. So we were looking at Airbnbs last minute. I think the cheapest one we found was like what eleven hundred dollars a night or like nine fifty a night or something like that. Something, but there was no way we were doing. That. Yeah, and it, it still wasn't even close. Like it was still like like thirty minutes away or like twenty five minutes Where's away. That? 
It's in, um, I don't know the actual. What is the name of that town? <laughs> it's not Coleman. No, it's Oka something. Opelika. Opelika. That's where the rodeo is. Is it? Yeah, oh, maybe it is. There's Either a Coles way. in Opelika. There's what? <laughs> There's a Coles in, in Opelika. Oh, a like Coles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out Coles. Shout out to Coles. <laughs> Free shout out. But yeah, so I'm, I'm cutting off, Air, honestly, Airbnb in general, because I feel like the prices for Airbnb have just gone from like, it's cheaper to take an Airbnb than go into a hotel. And, and now Airbnb has been like, oh, well, screw you guys. You guys, everybody's using Airbnb now. So you're going to pay $50,000 a night to stay I'm, in my house. So uh, cutting off Airbnbs. Nice. Uh, Who's next? I have one. Lando. Right, go, Lando. Who are you pouring one out for? You doing anything for NASCAR? Yeah, yeah, we, I was going to talk NASCAR with you a little bit. What, what, was, was yours going to be something about NASCAR? Yeah. What was it? NASCAR in general. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sucks. Um, it's, it's not going to be NASCAR in general. I'm going to go with the fans. I'm going to pour one out for the fans because yesterday. Okay. Can I be included in the Yes, fans? you can be included in that. They, it was packed yesterday, man. And that, that was one of the first NASCAR races I've been to probably since, I'd say, 2019 spring Talladega race. And that first uh atlanta race when they repaved it and did all stuff to the banking it was packed it was awesome driving in seeing all the all the cars there and just had a really good time so pouring out for the fans gonna cut off the city of smyrna because they're making me work this weekend and i was supposed (laughs) to be off and oklahoma plays texas so i can't drink and watch the game i have to be a sober fan and then go to work later so i'm gonna cut off the city of smyrna (laughs) i still want to get paid this week though so don't get mad (laughs) (laughs) Chad, who are you pouring one out for? So I am also, in a way, pouring one out for high school football, but I'll change it up since that's what yours was. I'm pouring one out for field time because I got my first taste of varsity field time this year in a regular season game, not a scrimmage. Um, you know, uh, all rookies who um, referee high school football mainly just work middle school and JV. And we worked the clock or the play, the play clock or the game clock, one or the other, on Friday nights. We got two guys up in the booth who do that. But I was down in Lyons, Georgia, one of the beautiful towns that me and Matt named last weekend for the uh, Tombs County Bulldogs. And they were absolutely smoking the poor boys from Nahuna in Brantley County. So the Herons. The Herons, yeah, the Herons were getting destroyed. They had no athletes. Um, so. But yeah, at halftime it was thirty-five to nothing. We agreed to go to a running clock in the second half, and I just looked at my white hat and I was like, "Mr. Greg, my legs are my legs are ready. Thumbs tired and my legs are ready. I'm tired of hitting this button." And he was like, "All right." I ran back, Judge, for the entire second half. It was great. Um, didn't really have any plays come my way other than the one big pass that Tombs County hit, and I watched the video today of me just chopping down the sideline, and I look really old and slow. So, pour one out for that first. First varsity regular season field time. I'm going to go cut off some baseball here. I'm cutting off the Giants. They fired Gabe Kapler. And I kind of, I remember when they made this hire, I really questioned it because he had, didn't have much success in Philadelphia. Now this was what year three, year four four in San Francisco. He was hired immediately by San Francisco after getting let go in Philadelphia and they made the playoffs once. They had that really good year in 2021 where they yep. won the West. Yep. Actually, people forget that. The Dodgers were the four seed, and the Braves had home field in the NLCS because of it. Yes. The Dodgers won the West, won 100-plus games. And I believe they were the one, right? They were the one seed. Yeah, because the Braves played the Brewers. They were the one seed, and that was it. 
that was all the success the Giants had in Gabe Kapler's four years. And I just I didn't understand the hire to begin with. Now here you are a short four years later, and your former manager who retired from you is now in Dallas and they just made the playoffs. Oh, they're the they just won the West. They won they won no, 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 they, no, excuse me, they the ended Astros up losing the West. They ended up losing still, it. They were in, they were in first for a lot of pretty all year long, but they lost Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm cutting off the Giants. It just hey, that whole Gabe Kapler hire, I was just like, I, I make no sense to me. So he he was a guy that I thought when they won the West his first year in San Francisco that he had figured it out because in Philadelphia he was way too analytical and never go with his gut. When he went to San Francisco, he became a little bit more of both. But then recently, he's it. I, in, in defense, I understand it because it's way easier to go into a press conference and someone says, well, why did you make this move? And it says, well, that guy's hitting 128 against lefties, so I brought in a lefty instead of leaving the guy that was throwing a one-hitter in. And, you know, gut says I should probably leave the guy in that's throwing a one-hitter, but statistics say that this guy can't hit lefties and they had to run her on first and I didn't want, I wanted to end it. I didn't know that he was going to hit a two-run bomb off the lefty. So, uh, that would be my take on that. And that was talking baseball. That was talking baseball. Was talking baseball. And so Chad was telling me to just keep it rolling over here. And I'm going to go ahead, and I've got to pour one out, you know, and I this is probably a first for me ever. Pour one out for Jordan Hare. No. I'm pouring one out for small-town Georgia fans. Only because there's a story behind it. Small-town Georgia fans, not all Georgia fans. Just the hey, ones I'm from Kennesaw, Georgia. That's not a small town, my friend. I, don't think County has I know, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm offended. Uh, Cobb County has 800,000 people. Exactly, I'm offended. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm friends with Wit. He knows that we're, you know, this is this is fine. Not I'm, anymore. But here's why. No, have that you just ever, ended it right there. Well, have you? Have you ever invited me to a fish fry? No. <laughs> exactly. I've never done a fish fry before. <laughs> in, in his, in his so, tents, though, we're from small. We're from a small town, and we haven't invited him to one either. We're also not Georgia fans. That's yeah, so true. I'm cutting so, off small town Alabama fans for not inviting me to fish fries. <laughs> well, you know, I, if I had one, you'd be invited. Actually, I have invited you over to the the Howell Kissler Tailgate Extraordinaire. Oh, you did get an invite to that. Back to my poor one out. Small town Georgia fan. So I walk into a Mexican restaurant at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. I go in for lunch. I'm like, all right, I just want something quick. I go in. I order this Petey Gonzalez and sit down next to this gentleman who is like, yeah, I'll go ahead and take my second one. He's sucking down his second margarita on the rocks. And he looks to me and goes, man, how are you doing today? I said, I'm doing good. Well, you, you look like a kind of guy that likes to watch football. You like watching football? I'm like, yeah, man, I do like watching football. I'm a big, big football fan. Oh, man, don't tell me you like Alabama now. That might make me upset with you. I said, well, then I'm going to upset you. And he goes, well, I won't hold it against you, man. Hey, man, this Saturday we're hosting a fishing tournament down at the river, dropping in at 5 a.m. Weigh-ins start, finish at 3, starting at 2.30. You got to have all your fish in by then now. Do the weigh-ins, and then at 3.30 for the Auburn-Georgia kickoff, we're going to do us a little fish fry. You're more than welcome to come join us. Bring your own cooler full of beer. Everything will be just fine. And now, my God, I thought I sat there, and at first I was like, my God, these South Georgia 
Bulldog fans. This man's never even stepped foot in Athens. He didn't even he didn't know anything about Georgia other than the fact that Kirby because he he proceeded to go on around about how Mike Bobo's the problem with the dogs. Man, he's terrible, just terrible. And I was like, good God! But at the same time, I was like, how nice of this gentleman to invite me to a fish fry that I just met. He's 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 you know probably one of those good Christian fellows from South Georgia that's just trying to live live like Jesus and invite all the all the boys to to fish fry. So I bet his church has thirteen people in it. His church has a thirteen <laughs> people in it, and they were all there at the fish fry, and they all went to the same they all went to the same liquor store to buy their beer, but they didn't say hey to each other or acknowledge <laughs> that they were there <laughs> because they don't want anybody to know they drink. So then, my for for cutting them off, I got to cut off uh, the other terrible rednecks, which is Mississippi State fans, <laughs> and it's because they were on Twitter bragging about having the second loudest stadium this weekend in the SEC, and I just have zero respect for a fan base. It has to utilize artificial noisemakers to make their stadium loud in the first place, and then to have the audacity to be like, "Hey, our stadium was so loud, it was the second loudest in the SEC behind Nalen." Oh shit, you have these damn cowbells that you just ring. And could you imagine like Alan with cowbells or Death Valley with cowbells? Like I'm I don't understand why those haven't even been questioned by like NCAA or like NCAA or SEC ruling. Like how how can they still do that to me? I'm pretty sure that they get I think they get fined every home game. They have to pay like a small fine because they aren't allowed to use artificial noisemakers. And every SEC stadium that they go into, there will be a thing that says no art, no use of artificial noisemakers. And then the state fans go in there. And this it's probably not their fault. It's probably because they can't read. Um, but they start <laughs> using them anyway. And then they go bitch on Twitter about, oh, somebody stole my cowbell. Like, uh, no dud. Captain Ahab. <laughs> Freaking idiot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyways, that's my cutoff. And it also because Mississippi State fans tried to tell us we were idiots for saying that State was terrible and that how oh dare you gosh. disrespect that's the, so true. I the, forgot the about fake that. Bulldog. So, so because they said all that and they went on TikTok and said, oh, y'all a bunch of idiots, man. Hail State. <laughs> I mean, I had you guys. What, what I have them going? Four and eight? I have them going four and eight and losing. Uh, got them going four and eight and going on eight in the SEC. Yeah. And boy, are they on that path? Because I think the people in Starkville are getting a little itchy. Like, ooh, I think we kind of jumped the gun on this Arnett fella. That's enough about the bad side of Mississippi. We love Oxford, Mississippi, and we love the sip. Please, we were in Talladega this weekend. Talk to us about that. It's Give us experience. your poor one out. Oh, uh, yeah, my poor one out, like I said earlier, definitely going to be Talladega. I had never been to a NASCAR race before. And I know everyone on this podcast, everyone around me has always told me I need to go. I need to go to a race and I need to go to a good one because I've been like, oh, I can just go to Atlanta Motor Speedway. They're like, no, you can't go to Atlanta Motor Speedway. You got to go to you got to go to Dega. You got to go to uh, Daytona, Bristol, something good like that. And uh, so I finally got out there. Thanks to my girlfriend, Krista, you know, her company hooked us up with some tickets to the Yellowwood 500. It was awesome. The, we got the uh, garage experience and everything. Got to go down there and see the cars getting worked on in the garage. Got to uh, go out onto the track, sign the sign the checker flag and everything. It was awesome. I mean, did you you ever been to Dega before? Yeah, yeah. So me, Chad, and Austin went uh, last year. I think wasn't it last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, Chad wasn't it last year we went to Dega or was it two years ago? Last year, last year's spring race because I went last to year's spring race, yeah. three. Ra- 
won three races last year. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the most I'd ever been to. And that was really cool. Like the experience of going to a race to me, Talladega was way better than Nashville because Nashville is kind of like a like we went the first year that it came back to Nashville. It's better. So going it, to Talladega, it was better racing at Talladega. That yeah, that along with like just the people that are there, like you just see like some of the weirdest, crazy people. Dude, it was the best people watching. No ever. one wears a shirt at, at NASCAR races. At uh, some some people definitely. Most women been. don't either. <laughs> it's exactly what you thought. It's exactly what you thought it was going to be, wasn't it? Um, I will say I this is this is what I said afterwards. I was talking to my dad about it, and I was like, you know, that was probably like one of the most smoothest like days of a sporting event I've ever been to, which was kind of not what I was expecting at all. Like parking straightforward, park ample parking. You know, we were in the hospitality parking, so we just kind of went there. Like, everything was really straightforward. There was, like, no ushers. You just kind of sit where you're supposed to, and nobody really caused a problem. There was no fighting, which I thought is crazy at a sport where there's, like, 40 different fandoms in the oh, same arena. That was much stadium. different than my experience. Lots really? of, lots of fighting. Lots of fighting. There was zero fighting. I was lots, thinking, lots these of are fat, the most, shirtless people hugging each other. These are the most sure. peaceful rednecks I've ever come across. <laughs> <laughs> it was, they, they really are some of the nicest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. Now, they are insanely rednecky, but they are such good people. They all collectively hated Denny Hamlin the, the same, so it was good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I yeah. agree with that. I agree with that, too. Yeah. Uh, overall, fantastic experience. Um, Did you all have the pit passes, too? Like, you got to walk around, like, with yeah. the, where the cars were actually on the track. See, yeah. That's cool. We were down there with everything. That's really cool. Great first experience. Shout out, Krista. Thank you. And uh, I definitely would love to go back to a race with you guys. My, my guy for the race, uh, my girlfriend was telling me that um, – her her, da- her dad wa- uh, grew up watching uh, Tony Stewart in the 24 car. No, sorry, Jeff Gordon. This yeah. just shows you how much I don't know about racing, uh, which is crazy because my entire family has, like, not my direct one, but my uncles and everybody have always grown up going to races. So that was um, definitely awesome to uh, get to finally fill the, the Keesler family's shoes and go to an NASCAR <laughs> race. Doesn't Jeff Gordon call races now, too? No. no, he retired. He, he, he retired. Oh, he, oh. Wait, golly! Oh, he's the, what the you said he's the CEO of of Hendrick's. President of Hendrick. Oh no, President of Hendrick. Basically, when Mister Rick passes on, it's going to be Jeff Gordon Motorsports. Well, I mean, and it makes sense because Jeff Gordon is Hendrick Motorsports. He is. I mean, he he never Jeff Gordon like had his rise. You were either an Earnhardt fan or a Gordon, or a Gordon fan. Like there was, and you had your fringe redneck from South Georgia. AKA my old neighbor. I like Steve Park. No, no, God rest his soul. My old neighbor, he used to drink willingly every day. His beer of choice was Milwaukee's best. And he was a huge Bill Elliott fan, <laughs> which is so on brand. But, but no, like that's, uh, it was Gordon or Earnhardt. And it was, that was it. And like I came from the Earnhardt branch. I where, was a Gordon guy. Where my, my dad, He's like, man, you know, you know, Jeff Gordon, he, he drives a rainbow car and all that. <laughs> and, and it was, the rainbow warrior, and, actually. And it was like, you know, Earnhardt fans used to use that as a a term of hate, <laughs> to put that frankly. And Gordon fans were like, oh, that's a term of endearment. <laughs> he drives the rainbow car fast, though, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's that. So, yeah, we had the rainbow car, rainbow car uh, this week, too, with uh, William Byron. Got to see him with a nice third place finish. He was he was racing well. Really He's a good racer. Was, uh, I was glad we picked someone that was not you know wrecked early because there was three wrecks in that race and a fire. Oh yeah, which was awesome. Yep. 
Welcome to the William Byron fan club. Are you are a William you, Byron, Byron fan? Byron? Since when have you been a William Byron fan? It's Matt DiBenedetto got booted down to the truck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Such a weird Which is, You know, that's got to be the saddest thing ever. I mean, that's like being a fan of an English Premier League, like, soccer team. And then, like, two years into being a, like, massive fan and following them, they're like, oh, they've been relegated. <laughs> and now he just lost his ride in the trucks. Yeah, yeah. Poor Matty D, man. He lost yeah, his William truck, Byron. too? Yeah. Oh, gosh. William Byron, William Byron, six wins this year and current points leader. Yeah, he got the. Uh, he's. What, I'm not going to say it right, but he's got the automatic bid to the round of eight. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, because he won at Texas last week, and now Ryan Blaney has the automatic bid to the round of eight. Shout this out. week at Charlotte, this is the last of the round of twelve. Shout out Ryan Blaney. For him, man. I'm, and his I'm a big. I'm a big Ryan Blaney. And his guy. girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And that's talking racing. I get to talk racing for once. This is awesome. Keys is talking racing. We've come full circle. 100th episode. Keys is finally talking racing. We've been telling you, Keys, it is the coolest sporting experience, whether you're a fan or not, to go see in person. It's it's funny, though, because, like, Keys has seen more NASCAR this year than I have. I I have not sat down and watched a race start to finish at all this year. I I get so invested. Like, NASCAR season starts – same weekend generally is college baseball so my weekend my sunday priorities have shifted from watch and now that espn plus is a thing my priority shifted from all right i'll watch nascar on sundays until baseball season and then i'll watch the braves to i'm gonna watch college baseball every sunday nascar fills the gap for me from literally the week after the super bowl to the braves starting and then Honestly, I've gotten to the point. I think part of the reason I've fallen off so much with the NFL is because I've become such a NASCAR fan that I watch the Falcons, and then after that, I just watch the race. There's no red zone in NASCAR, though. I don't need one. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it would be it's cooler called be, the race. <laughs> and it'd be a lot cooler if there was. <laughs> what are you following one car at a time? You follow the no, last like, three laps of each stage, and that's it. <laughs> could you imagine? A, could you imagine an octo box of every major battle that was going on in a race? That would be sick. That's way too much. Good, there's way a lot of good much. racing that happens in the middle of the There's pack, not enough exciting oh, yeah. things happening in a race to have eight oh, boxes. That's, that's, not, that's not true. That's not true. Completely that's not true. It's not. I'll be honest. I don't care about the battle going on on the back of the track. I don't care. I, like, I want to see up front. Yeah. Literally, though, if that's you... That's casual if you've talk. Been a, you're right. You're right, Matt. 100%. You've been a fan for long enough. All the guys who are in the broadcast team and former drivers will say, you don't understand because they don't show it on TV. If we're back there in 34th, Damn it, we're, we're battling with that guy to get 33rd, man. Like yeah, You got it, a it, Hamlin on the eighth slot down there in the bottom right corner screen, you know, on the penalty trying to catch back up to everybody else. And, and everybody is going to be watching and being like, somebody wreck his ass. I, <laughs> <laughs> every, time he pa- every time he passed by, everybody was shooting him birds. Oh, dude, that, I hate that guy. You know, you know what? You know what? I've got to, while we're talking racing, we got to just got to keep going with this because <laughs> honestly, Benny Hamlin is the new Kyle Bush. Like Kyle Bush had this like arc of when he got let go from his Joe Gibbs ride, everyone's like, oh, maybe it wasn't Kyle Bush's fault that we hated him. It was just that he was driving a Toyota for Joe Gibbs. And then he gets put in the eight. And then all the old Earnhardt Jr. fans are like, that have a tattoo of an eight. They're like, do I still hate this guy or do I have to like <laughs> him now by default? And now Kyle Bush, like this year, I would like what it. And this is not for me watching races, but highlights. Like in races that Kyle Bush won, I saw more love for him on social media than I ever did before. 
And it's the same thing that happened with his brother, Kurt. Like, everyone hated Kurt, and then he left and went to a new team, and it shifted. And well, now Denny Hamlin has filled that void of the biggest asshole in NASCAR. Well, that's the thing, is that the Bush brothers were assholes when they were younger. They got older, they became veterans, they gained the respect of the fans, and they kind of matured a little bit. Kyle Bush never gained the respect of the fans. Oh, oh I think, the, oh, he's the GOAT, in my opinion. Oof. But let me say this. One more thing to say about racing. Matt, I'll ask you this because you're the only NASCAR fan besides me right now. He's is seen more I'm NASCAR than I am. a huge NASCAR whoa, fan, whoa, whoa, Chad. Whoa, whoa, Hold on. Easy. Time out. Time out. Is there any, if there was anyone ever deserving to be put in the three, like Austin Dillon's in it now, I know. But the only person that deserves to be in the three ever again is the guy that's in the eight, and that's Kyle Busch. Yeah, yeah. But it's because he, honestly... Him and Ross Chastain are the only two guys that have ever driven like Earnhardt. Yes. And and I know Ross Chastain's still like early in his career, but dude, that dude has driven the wheels off of some cars this year. Martinsville. And and he's also he's also like shown everyone that he's racing to win and he doesn't care if he puts you in the wall. And if you're in his way, he will do it, which is such an Earnhardt mentality. And old Earnhardt fans are like, I don't like this Chastain fella. He's coming in here trying to be a pretty boy and wrecking all our cars. And and then it's like, well, wait a second. You were an Earnhardt fan. Yeah, man, but he ain't do it that way. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And Ross Chastain is just as endearing to the fans because he's a watermelon farmer. Dude, I love it. I, I, I Whenever I found out all this stuff about Chastain and I saw how he was driving this year, I was like, I kind of like that guy. Uh, but, I, again, I didn't really watch much this year. Kyle Busch would be a great, great driver of the three, though. I. He's the only one, I guess, to like put your words in perspective. He's the only one that would uphold the standard of the three to what it could be potentially because Austin Dillon is only in it because of his grandfather. His grandpa. I don't think we talked. Fo- Do we talk football at all no. during this <laughs> segment? No. You guys want to get no. into as, your picks? As I was about to say, <laughs> and there go all our listeners. Perfect. All right. Now time for the picks. <laughs> All right, so if we're going into picks, we're doing a little added bonus pick this week, and we're not starting it off with football. So, playoff time. We're all Braves fans. Um, Keys, you can even dive into these picks as well if you want to. I know you don't normally do, but you can dive into this pick as well. No, we don't have a opponent yet, but give me who you think it's going to be out of the Diamondbacks, Phillies, and Marlins, and tell me how many games you think it'll take to win the NLDS. Wait, you can go first. I'm pretty sure it's just the Phillies or Marlins. It doesn't. It doesn't. Is it change. bracket style? Yeah, now? I'm pretty sure it's just bracket style. It's not, it's not seed. All right. Well, either the Phillies or the Marlins. With, who do you think is going to win the Phillies and the Marlins series? Or don't predict that. But tell me who you think will play the Braves, and what do you think that series will go like? All right. So I think the Marlins are going to upset the Phillies, and uh, I think the Braves beat the Marlins, and I think they beat them in three. And I hope I'm right. I really, I'm with Wit. I really want the Marlins to win because I don't like when the Braves play the Phillies. I feel like that's more of a toss-up game. The Marlins, we usually own them pretty well. But that's also a fiery game. A lot of times when they get in there, they'll throw at Acuna or other guys and and they'll do some intentional HBPs. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the Marlins win because I think we can take care of them. But I also think it'll be an entertaining series. I think the Phillies would be an entertaining series, but I don't want to see it because I'm worried that we could lose. So, yeah, definitely definitely going Braves over Marlins, though, if that happens. So I said this back in August. I think the Phillies are going to win this series, and I think the Phillies are going to beat the Braves because I watched that series that the Braves played the Phillies in Philadelphia. And I'll be honest, like, 
Braves haven't looked great down the stretch. They really haven't. And I know that you're going to look at their record and be like, oh, well, they swept the Cubs. They won two games. Not, I'm not going to say it's lucky, but you're not going to be able to fall behind teams that are playoff caliber like the Phillies in Philadelphia and do what the Braves did to the Cubs. You can't do that. Uh, and just down the stretch, the Braves didn't look great in the bullpen. And there's been 54 best record in baseball in the modern era of baseball that have gone into the postseason. Best record in baseball. Only 14 have won the World Series. So odds are stacked against the Braves. Historically, I worry about it being the Phillies. Like Everyone's like, oh, the Dodgers. Like the Phillies are scary, man. Like I, I think that they're a team that you don't want to see and they get the Marlins and I'm pretty sure that series is in Philadelphia the other thing I hate about it is that in the meantime the Braves are off now it's better that they weren't playing well and now they're going to be off because it's like a reset you don't want to have what happened at the all-star break happen where you're rolling through and you're in a nice winning streak you're one of you're the hottest team in baseball for the past month and a half now you've got to take time off because it kills momentum so maybe that works out. Also, last bit. If it is the Marlins that do beat the Phillies, Marlins against the Braves historically in the playoffs, not a good matchup. The Marlins in 2003, wild card team, play the Braves. Uh, and no, that was the Cubs. The Cubs beat the Braves that year. The Marlins beat the Cubs in the NLCS. Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman game. And the Marlins won the World Series that year. 1997. Braves played the Marlins in the NLDS. Marlins won that series, won the World Series as a wild card team in both situations. Braves have won the division both those years. So I don't really love either of these matchups from a historic standpoint or currently. So if the Phillies win that, I, I think the Phillies beat the Braves just because I don't like the way that that series is. And Trey Turner's gotten a lot better over the season. Bryce Harper is great baseball player, actually not a terrible dude. So he's gotten better as, as a person, I think. Phillies are Phillies sure. in what? Four. Yeah, as much as I hate to agree with Matt, I he kind of took all my talking points. Uh, I kind of have that same skeptical feeling. I really, really hope I'm wrong. Oh man, I really, really. Oh hope yeah, I'm no, no, no. Me too. I'm wearing my Braves polo. Yeah, as we speak. I'm, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not rooting against the Braves, but, but I'm a scorned Atlanta Braves fan. Okay, I've seen this happen before. I <laughs> a scorned Atlanta fan. Period. Um. Yeah. I just Charlie. Missing Charlie's going to hurt. Charlie was pitching well. Um, Freed hasn't started a game. Freed hasn't started a game in a few weeks. Um, Spencer Strider gives a a lot of runs. Spencer Strider gives up home runs. Bryce Elder has kind of gone through his rookie, taking his lumps. I don't really know how much I trust him in the playoffs. Is Kyle Wright even going to make the roster? Kyle Wright going to make the roster. I don't really trust. We're not trusting this Andrew Vines, right? Venice. Venice, whatever. Venus, I can't. I, don't I think know. it's Venus. Venus might be Vines. Vines, I could be wrong. But we're not going to trust him to start in the playoffs. Look, maybe the break does us well, and I really do think the Phillies will beat the Marlins. I think they'll sweep them in two games. Now, granted, the Marlins and they have made the playoffs three times in their history, and they're two for three on winning World Series. So, and I don't really count the other one. Though. I don't even the count twenty 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 right. Yeah, twenty twenty. We beat them in the NLDS. Um. Yeah, I just I really hope I'm wrong, but if it is the Phillies, I think the Phillies beat us in five. I think they take it to five games, but just the Braves weren't the Braves weren't playing. They kind of coasted through September after they won the East, and it just kind of eh, I didn't like it. Made me skeptical again. I hope I'm wrong, but I got to take the Phillies in five if it's the Phillies. But 
Red River Robbery. We are going in Texas, Oklahoma. Huge game. Noon. Fox. Um, I have messed myself up and not pulled up the line. I will now, and it's a Texas six and a half point favorite. Um, excuse me, it's also on ABC. I said Fox. I was wrong. Noon ABC six and a half point favorite Texas wit start us off. So last year Texas beat the absolute tar out of Oklahoma. I mean it was one of the worst Texas Oklahoma games I've seen in recent memory. Uh, Jacks or not Jackson Dart. Dylan Gabriel did not play in that game. Uh, their backup quarterback, whose name escapes me right now for Oklahoma, uh, he was dreadful. Like he was one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen play in the Power Five. So I think Oklahoma keeps it a lot closer, especially in the first half. Um, but then in the, at the end of the day, I think Texas is more tested. I think Texas is more talented than Oklahoma, which this is the first time we've said this about Texas in a while. Um, so I think Texas offense is too strong. They're going to put up at least 40 points. Um, I think Oklahoma looks a lot better this year, but they're still, I still don't think they're there. They haven't really showed it. Even against Cincinnati, they didn't look that good to me. Um, so I'm going to say Texas by at least 14 points. This is an interesting matchup because Oklahoma really hasn't played anyone yet. If you look at their schedule, they're they're statistically better than Texas in a lot of areas, but their best opponent was SMU, maybe. Uh, I know they played Cincinnati. I mean, Iowa State is not – Matt Campbell should have jumped ship a couple years ago when he had an opportunity and go, gone and made some money. Um, and Texas, in my opinion, is a year ahead of Oklahoma on the on the jump because they've had they had Steve Sharkeesian his first season was there was 2021 obviously this is Brent Venable's second season last year was his first and he was left with a roster that was super depleted there wasn't a lot of talent there and he kind of had to do a little bit more of a traditional build uh and he's done a good job like Brent Venables has more talent on that defense now than when Lincoln Riley last had it uh, so I think Oklahoma is going to be really good. This game means everything to both of these teams. Uh, Oklahoma, for them, this is really the only game on their schedule that they have left to worry about. And if you look at the rest of their matchups, I don't know that they play another ranked opponent unless Kansas maybe wiggles their way back up into the top 25 the rest of the way. Texas, for them, this is their – like they could afford to lose this game and still make the playoff. I'm not saying that for, for either of these teams. Oklahoma, I feel like, is in more of a must-win situation. Uh, I think this game is going to be a back-and-forth, like kind of what we used to see back whenever Lincoln Riley was there, battle between Jeff Levy and Steve Sarkeesian, two great offensive minds. But I think Texas is just more talented, and I think they win this game in a tight one. I like Oklahoma to cover Texas to win. I We're going to go horns all the way across the board here again. I hope it doesn't bite us. But – Look, I agree. I think Texas is just a little bit ahead of Oklahoma because of that one extra year that Steve Sarkeesian has had. Brent Venables is still kind of trying to piece together everything he's got at Oklahoma. They haven't really been tested yet. We've seen Texas go on the road and be tested. Oklahoma, I think, will come out hot. I think Oklahoma will come out hot and strike first. I Honestly, if I can make a side prediction here, I think Oklahoma is going to win the coin toss and receive the ball. I have no idea if that's actually going to be anything real or not. But I think Oklahoma to take the ball first and just go down the field, strike first, pull out some trickery, try to jump on them real quick, and then Texas will work their way back into the game. Because last year, Oklahoma was embarrassed. That's not going to happen again. But I just think overall, got to look at Quinn Ewers and think that he can win the quarterback matchup. Dylan Gabriel is really solid. 
I picked Dill, but I picked Quinn Ewers win the quarterback matchup. And I will say this: both teams' defenses actually have played well this year. Give me a low-scoring slugfest, but give me Texas, and I think it's probably going to be about a three-point game. Texas will pull off late. But moving on to a former Big 12 team, I cannot believe that we are predicting this game. When we broke out season predictions early on, I never thought that this is a game that we'd talk about. But noon, ESPN, six-and-a-half-point favorite, number 23, LSU, number 21, Missouri, in Columbia, but LSU's the favorite. Whit, who you got? I got LSU. I, Missouri has looked good, but even in their wins, it's been close. Like, they barely beat MTSU. They barely beat Kansas State, who, as we've seen, sorry, people of Manhattan, they're not as good as they were last year. They're still really good. Like, that's a great win for Missouri, uh, but they did get them at home, and it was off a last-second field goal that was of historic fashion. So... Missouri, are they a top 25 team? I don't know. They're better than I thought they'd be. They're way better than what I have their record at. Um, but I still think LSU's a better team. Their offense is too good. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC. I still stand by that right now. Um, Jackson Dart, I think, is making a case, too. He looks really good. But um, I think the offense puts up too many points. I think Brady Cook has a good game, but not good enough to keep up with LSU. So I'm going to say LSU, and I think they win by at least two touchdowns, same as Texas. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, so I'm kind of with you, Witt. Uh, I, I just don't think Missouri's really been tested. Like, if we're saying their best win is Kansas State, Kansas State is not last year's Kansas State. They're, they're just not. Um, Missouri, uh, I'll, I'll give them this. They're talented at receiver. I can't think of the kid's name, but he – uh, was that Luther Burton? Yes, Luther Burton is a stud. He is a stud, and that LSU secondary is horrendous. They're bad. They're very, very bad. We said it earlier in this episode. Give up fifty-five points to Ole Miss. They couldn't get Ole Miss off the field. Now Ole Miss has got a talented offense. I'm not saying anything about that, but I'm that with with a really, really bad secondary. LSU's really good up front, though. So this game is going to be decided between. Missouri's offensive line and Cam Brady Cook push the ball down the field to hit those open receivers. I think they're going to hit early. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. I think both teams are going to go over 30 points, but I think LSU pulls away late. Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, agree with you there, Wit. I've been saying it all season. He's he and he kind of even called out his teammates a little bit after that lost Ole Miss. Like I need I need y'all to step up. Malik Neighbors is elite at the wide receiver position for LSU. I just don't think Missouri is a good matchup. It is noon. It is Columbia. Could be a little bit sleepy. I don't see any weirdness happen here. LSU by at least 10. Going on a limb. I'm doing it. I'm going on a limb. Do you guys know that Brady Cook has not thrown an interception this year, and he's got 11 touchdowns and almost 1,500 yards? Who's the best I, I actually did know that. Who's the best defense hey, he's Kansas State's, Kansas, oh, Kansas State's, State. Yeah, Kansas State's still, got a pretty decent defense. Still. Uh, hey, that's good. Through five weeks of the season, that's awesome. But still, like, it's all about how LSU responds, right? Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the SEC. Talk about that. LSU just let Ole Miss drop 55 on them on the road. And it really doesn't get any easier because now you're turning around for an 11 a.m. local time kickoff and probably somebody check the weather. It's probably going to be a chilly, chilly day in Columbia, Missouri. Let me, let me see right here. What's the forecast? 62 degrees on a brisk Missouri morning. Something about that, man, just, I don't know. Like, Brady, 
Brady's cooking, man. I, I got to do it. I got to do it. I'm going on a limb. I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of trying to sneak one in in our standings. Yeah. But, uh, look, sleepy start. You just got drubbed. It's very hard to respond in an 11 a.m. kickoff on the road against the ranked opponent. And you know that, that Missouri crowd is going to be hot this game. We talked about Eli Drinkwitz in the offseason like he was just like he was a piece of paper that you just throw to the wind, but hey, what? Missouri's five and zero. Their schedule hasn't been that strong. But give a team a little momentum. I'm sensing some what 2018 Minnesota vibes with Missouri. I am. You remember Penn State, Minnesota, 2018 in Minnesota noon kickoff. I'm getting a little Minnesota vibes out of Missouri this year. Give me the Tigers pulling off the upset. I think it's close, but I think it's going to be a shootout. Luther Burden and Brady Cook, with the way those two have been connecting this year, again, not real strong defenses they played. I just got to go on the limb, dude. Give me the Tigers. I got the Tigers pulling yep. the upset at home. The Missouri Tigers. I respect it. I respect it. I don't feel like I said anything that was, like, unfathomable. No, no, I no, didn't no, say no. Missouri's elite, but, you know. <laughs> oh, anyway. we, got, we got on recording, so now you did. I did. No, I didn't. That's, that's a soundbite. <laughs> sound Chad said Missouri is the least. Yep, that's going on TikTok. Y'all like I can that push one. Matt's idiot button. <laughs> idiot. Anyway, staying in the SEC, CBS 330 in College Station. We all remember what happened last time. Matt's going to go last because he's an Alabama fan, but wit. Start us off, CBS 330, number 11, Alabama, at still unranked Texas A&M. Kind of sneaky what Matt was talking about earlier on in the show. Two and a half point favorite, the Tide, wit. Get it going. So uh, two and a half points, I'd say it's about right. Um, I think it's a three to seven point game. Uh, I'm going to say Alabama wins, Alabama covers. I think it's a low scoring, really, really close game from start to finish. Um, I think both these teams are very similar. They can score on offense, but they're not elite on offense. Um, and they're both really solid on defense. But I would say Alabama has the edge. Uh, they have more talent. They've looked better down the stretch. Uh, I think the only team that could really score against Alabama was Texas. Um, so I'm going to say Alabama and I think they win somewhere like 17 to 14, like some, some super low scoring Jalen Milrow has a rushing touchdown and three interceptions and, uh, the, the tide's going to roll. So Chad, what do you think? I agree. I actually think that's pretty much exactly how this game's going to play out. Give me like 17 to 14, 21, 17, you know, 24, 20, somewhere along those lines. I think Alabama is going to go in there in front of a very hostile environment. Alabama seems to have kind of, against Ole Miss and Mississippi State, kind of, I don't even know, like even themselves out a little bit after the Texas loss. It's almost like they're just like they're back in the form. They're not back to form by any means, but it's almost like they're kind of in the in the mold of just getting to where we think Alabama's supposed to be, just like one week at a time, slowly after everybody kind of wrote them off and, and that is saving done as the dynasty over. Lane Kiffin was trolling with tweets. Just seem to be taking small steps back in that direction. This is a big opportunity for them to do it again. I don't think Alabama's offense is completely fixed. Um, Jalen Milrow still has some issues. Obviously, I don't think Mississippi State's a very good team at all. So last week, kind of throw that to the side. Texas A&M has a decent defense, a decent one. Um, but I think it'll be a slugfest, low score and slugfest. Give me Alabama to prove that they're still on top of the West until somebody says they're not. And the fact of the matter is Alabama doesn't have a conference loss yet. So 
I don't see it happening this week. Uh, so give me Alabama. I think it's going to be a close game, like 21 to 17. I'm going to roll the tide. I feel like I kind of gave away my prediction earlier. I think Texas A&M is actually going to win this game, and I think that they're going to win the West. Um, now, I also think that the balance of who wins the West is determined by this game because if Alabama were to win or if A&M were to win, the other person, the other team has to lose twice in order for that to be garnished. And, and Alabama's schedule after A&M, I guess their, their scary opponents would be LSU, Tennessee, and I guess with kind of like Magic, Jordan Hare, um, and, and Auburn. But look, here's here's what worries me is sure Mississippi State was the second loudest stadium, regardless of whether you want to give them the, the if you want to put an asterisk next to it, cowbells and whatnot. But Jalen Milrow has made, even made a comment in his press conference whenever they talked, got access to him, that it was a loud stadium and that he needed to step up as a leader. And there were some issues with the snaps. And one thing I love seeing on Saturday was Saban got back to his roots. He was ass-chewing some kids and some coordinators, and I loved it. I was like, welcome back, Nick Saban. And then he, after the game, he said, well, Miss Terry told me I needed to start getting on them a little more if they weren't doing good. I and, saw that. And I was like, I love it. Like, this is this is the Nick Saban from 2015 and 14 and 13. And I love it because it almost feels like that Texas loss has kind of energized him. And all the negative talk around the program has kind of energized him. And, you know, even people like me, I'm just like, I mean, I've got no faith really I just think that Texas A&M is being so slept on. And I can tell you where all the money's going because this game opened as Alabama at six and a half, as a six and a half point favorite, and it's down to two and a half. So all the money's going A&M's way. And I just, I really, I don't, I don't like that two and a half point line when you're in that situation. I'm going to go Aggies. I think that they're going to win and I'm going to be a sad boy. And uh, that, you know, Alabama is going to find a way to go through the rest of the season, hopefully with with no more pickups or speed bumps. But Texas A&M being slept on, very good on offense. They've been really efficient. Max Johnson looks great. I just worry, man. I worry about us being able to score, and I don't see it from Jalen Milrow quite yet. He played a lot better, but Mississippi State's terrible. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard Matt pick against Alabama. The first time I've ever heard that. But anyway, Wit, you're going to pick last on this one. Another ranked SEC matchup. Three this week, 7 o'clock ESPN, number 20, undefeated Kentucky at number one, UGA. 14 and a half point favorite UGA in the night game in Athens. Matthew. The worst thing that could have happened for Kentucky is Georgia being in a dogfight with Auburn last week. Other worst thing that they could have happened is this game being put at the 7 o'clock time slot in Athens because you've seen that at like people in Georgia, the UGA fans, at least on social media, have taken offense that they have not be, been considered one of the greatest college football atmospheres. You know, whatever. And that's an argument for a different time on whether it's true or not, whatever. They always point to that game against Tennessee last year, and they talk about how loud it was, and everyone, you know, that's one of the big talking points for that. I think you're going to get that kind of crowd on Saturday night. 
And I do not think that Ray Davis is going to be able to do and replicate what he did against Florida. Georgia is 77th in rushing defense. Now, I'll say this. I don't think that that's an indicative of what Georgia is going to be. I think that's just indicative that of the talent that they've lost over the past two years in the middle of that defensive line with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Those are two first-round talents uh, that that both have been there in the NFL now. Georgia's lost a lot to the NFL on defense. I still think that Georgia's the best team in the country. I think they're number one in the country for a reason. And Kentucky is too one-dimensional and reliant upon the run in order to make things happen. Brock Bowers is going to have two touchdowns. Carson Beck's probably going to throw a pick. But unless Kentucky can generate at least 14 points on defense, Georgia's going to win this game very easily. Dogs rolling. I've got dogs winning. i got dogs covering. I think they win this in like 34-17 fashion. This game, I think, is literally just going to be a rinse and repeat of what we saw happen last year when Tennessee came into Georgia. I think Kentucky... Winning as big as they did last week against us spells doom for them. Almost like what Matt just said. I think Kentucky's going to come in. Everyone's going to kind of look at this game like they did last year and think, oh man, maybe Kentucky can go in there and get them. I think there's a small chance they can, but it's like a 1% chance. I just think Georgia's defense is obviously much better than our defense. Georgia's a much better team than we are. And Kentucky is not at home like they were last week. They're on the road. Like Matt said, there's kind of this vibe around the Georgia fans that they've been disrespected as a home environment. Now they have another big game at night for them to disprove that. Um, I do think it's going to be low scoring. I do think 14 and a half may be too high. I'm going to go Georgia by 10, and it's going to be like 24 to 14, very similar to the Oklahoma-Texas game. I think it's going to be very physical on both sides of the football up front. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be some Big Ten-style football. But give me Georgia. I think Kentucky's a solid team. I think they're probably going to finish second in the East. I think their game against Tennessee is going to be really fun. Um, but that's for later. And this is the Saturday, and I have the dogs victorious on this Saturday. Wit. So I think this game is going to go a lot like the Auburn game, except for I don't think Kentucky's ever going to have a lead. I think Georgia's going to jump out to an early two-score lead. Kentucky's going to start running the ball really hard with Ray Davis. Um, I think he has over 100 yards. I think he has a lot of success. But I don't trust Devin Leary. I haven't seen anything from him that makes me think that they are explosive in the passing game. Uh, and I think Georgia's going to knuckle down. Georgia's defensive backs this year are honestly extremely underrated. I don't know if I mean I mean I know Auburn doesn't have a really good passing offense or like any passing offense, but even the new guys, especially the freshman uh, Dalen Everett, he played really well against Auburn. He had a couple broken balls that at the beginning of the season he was giving up a lot of touchdowns. So um, I think they step it up big time. I think the ending score is like twenty-seven to thirteen. So low scoring, like Chad said, very physical. Um, I think it comes down to. Like Georgia's up by like two scores. Kentucky kind of comes back close at halftime. Georgia runs away in the second half. Brock Bowers goes for 150 again, um, and Georgia wins. And I think it's going to be a rocking crowd. This is the first SEC night game Georgia's had since Mississippi State in 2020. So Georgia's going to be up and rocking big time. So kind of sort of staying in the state of Kentucky, we're just going to go up to the ACC in the northern portion of the state. Another ranked matchup. 
top 25. Number 10, Notre Dame, coming off a huge last-second win on the road against Duke at number 25, Louisville. Notre Dame's six-and-a-half-point favorite, 7.30 on ABC, back-to-back road games in the ACC, Notre Dame. Um, Louisville a little surprising undefeated in uh, Jeff Brom's first year, but their schedule hasn't exactly been uh, toughest. Wit, who you got? Hey, Louisville beat Georgia Tech, man. They're they're rocking and rolling. That's a good football team. Um, they had to come back to do so. Exactly. They're they're improved. Jeff Brom's a good coach. Um, I think he'll have Kentucky or Kentucky. I think he'll have Louisville playing where they need to be, um, kind of mid or middle to upper tier of the ACC eventually. Um, but this year, I just don't think they're that good. I think this feels like a Syracuse team from last year that started off six and zero and then lost six straight. So um, I think this is their first loss of the season. I think Notre Dame comes in and beats them bad. Like, I don't even think it's close. Um, I, I, they're probably going to have a couple explosive touchdowns because that's just how Brett Bom- Je- Brett, Jeff Brom does things. But I got Notre Dame. I think Sam Hartman has a big day, and I think Notre Dame wins by at least two touchdowns. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I think Notre Dame's got this. Look, Notre Dame got in a dogfight with a good Duke team, man. I really do think people have slept. They they see the name brand and they forget, like, oh, man, did you see that Notre Dame struggled with Duke? That's a Duke team that beat Clemson by what, 20? 21. 21. 20, 21. So Duke is not your, your typical Duke. Mike Elko, we talked about Sam Pittman getting on the hot seat earlier. Mike Elko, he would be on my short list if I'm Arkansas and I'm going to get rid of Sam Pittman. I'm, I'm calling Mike Elko first, for sure. Uh, knows the SEC. Anyways, Notre Dame came into this game and and not only did they... They came into it having lost on the last play by a yard to Ohio State when their coach screwed them over by only putting 10 guys on the field for two plays in a row. Like, how do you mess that up? That That is such a travesty that that even happened. So they were trying to rebound on the road. First time game day ever in Duke. Pretty cool the way that they had everything set up. I watched like two minutes of it because, honestly, college game day is dying, but whatever. On this game, Notre Dame is just a better team. Sam Hartman. You want to talk about impressive, still yet to throw an interception on the season, and he's got 14 tutties to go with it. Meanwhile, on the other side, Jack Plummer, he's thrown six picks. Notre Dame's defense is very good. They're very physical. They are not the epitome of what Notre Dame was whenever they were always getting overhyped. Do I think that they're a playoff team? No, I don't anymore. I don't think that they've got that chance. However, on any given day, I think Notre Dame could be very, very, very good, and this is going to be one of those days. Notre Dame big. Yeah, this is one of the probably the this is probably the only game that we're picking that I think is actually the line's going to be way off. Look, I think Louisville's going to have a good crowd. I think they're going to be hot, and Notre Dame is going into a hostile environment for the second straight week against an ACC opponent. Give a lot of credit to Duke and how their crowd came out last week. I completely agree with Mike. Duke's a good football team. Mike. I completely agree with Matt <laughs> that Duke is a good football team. I'm sitting here thinking about Mike Elko and looking at Matt. But I think Duke is a good football team. So you're saying my presence reminds you of Mike Elko? <laughs> yeah, Matt's a defensive mind. 
um, unit. I'm a defensive and unit. That's a defensive unit. Um, no, seriously. Look, I like Jeff Brom. I've always spoke very glowingly of Jeff Brom and success he had at Purdue, which is probably as successful as Purdue is ever going to be. But, look, Louisville's just not there. It's year one, and Scott Satterfield didn't exactly leave the cupboards full of groceries. And Notre Dame's just more talented. Sam Hartman has got 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, what more does there need to be said? Look, Louisville, they're going to grow. Jeff Brom is going to have a successful year one. That he's probably already had a successful year one. Give me Notre Dame. It's just, just I think, I think Duke is a much better team than Louisville. And this is going to be last week was a much tougher test um, for Notre Dame uh, than this week will be. But last game, seven thirty Eastern SEC Network. Um, Matt, you're going to pick last. Arkansas two and three. Going on the road to number 16, 4-1 Old Miss, 11-point um, favorite Old Miss. Uh, Wit, who you got? I'm going Ole Miss. Uh, like I said, I think Ole Miss is might be the best team in the SEC West. Uh, I think them and Alabama, it's going to come down to. Um, and obviously, Alabama already beat Ole Miss. So. Uh, I think they're a good team. Jackson Dart, I think, arguably best quarterback in the SEC. I'd still give it to Jaden Daniels right now. Uh, but Jackson's art looks really good. Receivers, Trey Harris, Watkins, those guys are awesome. Uh, if they can get Judkins going and that offensive line can get some push, then uh, Ole Miss is going to be really scary. That defense improved, still not great, but definitely improved uh, than what Lane Kiffin normally has. So I think Ole Miss wins. I think it's the same kind of game that Arkansas had all season where they stay in it, it's a close game, and it just doesn't come out the right way. K.J. Jefferson goes off, but – uh, I got almost winning the game, and I'm going to say it's by seven. This game, we weren't originally going to pick it, and then Matt asked to add it to the list, and I questioned it at first, but then I thought back about all the wild, wacky stuff that has happened in this game over the years, like the fourth and 25. And last year, when Arkansas absolutely smacked Ole Miss into another world, and I actually am glad we're picking it now. A lot of weird things happen in this game. Every year. But Arkansas is not good up front. Talked about that. And K.J. Jefferson has just been on his back all year. The poor guy is such a stud. And Luka is the tight end. He's also a stud. But it's going to be really hard for K.J. Jefferson to get the ball to Luka when his offensive line lets everything through. I mean, even with what Ole Miss produced this week, giving up 49 points, AJ Jefferson is no Jaden Daniels. He's still a good quarterback, but he's no Jaden Daniels. And just unfortunately, I don't see Arkansas being able to go into Oxford and win this game. Now, I think it'll be weird. I think it'll be wacky. And I think it'll be wild. I think Ole Miss wins by three. I think it's closer than people think it's going to be. I think that 11-point line is probably a little too high. Give me Ole Miss to win a weird one in Oxford and improve to 5-1. and one. Matthew? So, it's really... It's really weird because right now is like the peak of Ole Miss fandom. If you're if you're an Ole Miss like lifer, this is the time the great the best time in in their fan. I mean, since 2003 when Eli was there, uh, and that 2003 team went seven and one in the SEC and was co champions of the West, but lost to LSU. So LSU won the tiebreaker and ended up winning the Natty that year. So, I guess for for me. 
looking at this, I look at this very much like if you look at all of the games that, that Arkansas and Ole Miss have played in the past four years, past three years, I guess, they've all been drunk. Like, you have year one, Matt Corral throws six picks. Year two, Ole Miss gets them on a two a blown two-point conversion. They, they scored a touchdown, 52-51 shootout in Oxford, homecoming, noon kickoff. Then last year, obviously, there was a lot more to that game than just the drubbing. Uh, the Lane Kiffin rumors leaving, surrounding. I think Lane Kiffin's going to take this one a little personally, though, because I do know that he's self-aware enough to feel like that he's responsible for that. And looking at the way that he handled it at LSU this, this week, Unbelievably well. Arkansas's defense is probably worse than LSU's, the secondary at least. Their offensive line's not going to get as much push, hopefully, um, for Jackson Dart. And look, I've been a Jackson Dart believer. I, I thought that he was, you know, ever since I saw him play this year, I'm like, all right, this kid's it's for real this year. It feels like it's going to be one of those games. I, I think 11's a lot. I know what Arkansas's been. I think Arkansas keeps it close. I think this turns into one of those good old-fashioned shootouts like we've seen before. Ole Miss doesn't tackle particularly well, especially against mobile quarterbacks. But I like Rebs. I'll let the Rebs get hot. They're going to get hot. They're going to stay hot this weekend. The win over Hogs. And that's the Century episode. Oh, it's Century. 100. I got you. I was like... <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning into Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Rowdy.